Hi, this is Dee, and you're listening to my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. Um, on my last podcast, I talked about PTSD, um, and um, before that, I talked about bipolar, and before that, I talked about OCD. Um, if you're familiar, familiar with my podcast, excuse me, um, I've been very candid and very open about um, myself, actually, um, and many of my podcasts. Um, I have expressed my um, life and my emotions. I've cried several times in several of my podcasts. Um, and I'm just kind of putting myself out there. In the beginning, I would have scripts and stuff um, where I look up stuff and I type up this big um, spew, I guess you could say, if that's even a word. Um, of what I wanted to talk about, and I would read it, and I would add things to it, you know, as I was going and talking and stuff, but then I got to the point where I was just free micing it, and um, I talk a lot about um, different traumas I've been through, different episodes of my life, and um, of course the death of my father, um, the death of my grandson, tragedies, um, obviously that have been a big, huge impact on my life, among other things. I've talked about my mental health, my physical health, um, my family. I've talked about um, things that I've been through in my life, uh, being homeless, being raped, um, and a lot of other things I've opened up about. But also, too, I just based about, you know, our nation, um, people's well-being, their mental stability, um, and so on and so forth. And um, like the other three podcasts that I've done, I want to touch base on um, basically mental uh, well w wellness, actually mental wellness. I don't want to say mental disabilities or um, stuff like that, but mental well uh, uh, wellness. If I can get it out of my mouth here, um, I'll talk about it if I can say it. <laughs> um, but anyway, I have in this podcast. I'm going to talk about a variety of different personality uh, disorder well beings, um, basically. And I've pulled this information up, and I'm going to read it um, as it's printed out. So I'm going to read this as you're listening to it, I'm reading it. We're learning it at the same time. So um, I've skimmed through it briefly, but that's about the extent of it. Um, I guess I don't want a spoiler alert. <laughs> um, no, actually, I had other things come up, and I just didn't get a chance to really read it. But um, I did touch base on it. But anyway, I have um, mentioned before this particular website that I, I go to. Um, I went to, when I was in college, I used this a lot for my resources and stuff, but the mayoclinic.com, um, very resourceful, very informative. Um, if you haven't already done so, check out their website. Um, there's a lot of great information on there that actually might be beneficial to you. Um, also, too, I would like to put in, I guess you can call it a disclaimer, um, I am by no means a doctor, and I am not by any means giving out any medical advice or anything. This is just me talking candidly, voicing my opinion, trying to cite my resources, and talking about my own experiences as well as those that I have encountered. But by, by no means am I trying to tell you, um, I'm not trying to, to, to play doctor to you. I'm just trying to, how do I put this? I'm just putting myself out there, and if anybody can relate to what I'm saying, um, and if I can help anybody by my words and my experiences, then that's what it's all about. 
And I do obviously try to give resources and information out. I know one podcast in particular, I gave a lot of resources. I think most of the podcast was all resources. Um, <clears throat> but obviously, everybody's mental well-being is extremely excruciating um, at times. And it can get overwhelming. And... Um, I was just telling somebody today, you know, we're all at that one moment away from it being a moment too much. And I didn't word it that way, but that's basically what I meant. Um, We are all one moment away from not being mentally stable. And um, I say that because in my experience in my life, one trauma, one moment, one scenario, one state of something can trigger a domino effect. And if you're if you're at a, a point in your life that you have been through trauma or something that triggers you, it is really beneficial I have found to try to notice your triggers. And try to work through them the best that you can. And find ways to um, learn from them. But try to take something positive out of it to try to overcome the negative. And I, I say this because I am one of those people that I try to be optimistic on. There's always something good even out of the most horrific, tragic moments. And I know this for a fact in my own life. Um, and I say that because I've talked about before when my grandson had passed away, it was a tragedy, but yet he donated, his organs were donated and there are actually little girls walking around right now that survived because of his organs. So something that was so tragic actually ended up in our family, ended up being a blessing to other people's family. But also, too, it's a blessing to us as well. The tiny little being is such a big hero. And there is a little girl walking around today with my grandson's heart, literally. And um, I have his last heartbeat tattooed on my arm. <clears throat> and he passed away on my birthday, which was actually just two days ago. He passed away eight years ago um, on the 23rd. And today is the 25th. Um, my birthday was two days ago. I turned the big 49 plus two. <laughs> um, so I'm 51 now, and that's, uh, gosh, I say that. <laughs> um, I'm classic, remember? I've talked about my my podcast. I'm classic. I've listened to radio stations, and they're saying, all classics all the time, and I know the songs, so therefore I'm classic. So anyway, everybody loves a, loves a classic, right? Um, well, I hope so, anyway. Uh, but anyway, before I get... Um, distracted her because it's easy for me to do my personalities like to come out and play sometimes and um you know we're just all over the place so anyway (laughs) on that note um i went to mayoclinic.com and i pulled up uh, different personality disorders and i want to read this um to you but i'll obviously (laughs) i'm going to also put my own uh, my own thoughts in here as well uh so we're just kind of going to go with this together so anyway Again, anyway, that's my word. So at the beginning of it, it starts out as the overview. And it says, people have unique personalities made up of complex combination of different traits. 
personality traits affect how people understand and relate to the world around them, as well as how they see themselves. Ideally, people's personality traits allow them to flexibly adapt to their changing environments in ways that can lead to more healthy relationships with others and better coping strategies. When people have personality traits that are less adaptive, this leads to inflexibility and unhealthy coping. For example, they may manage stress by drinking and misusing drugs, which I've talked about in my other podcast, self-medicating. It doesn't even have to be drugs and alcohol. It could be anything. It could be being um, a kleptomaniac, stealing. It could be um, an eating disorder. It could be, um, you know, um, obsessed with your fitness, you know. Um, it could be anything. Um, self-medication. You have a hard time managing uh, your anger and find it hard to trust and connect with others. That is, <laughs> I say, okay, so in these personality things, I'm sure a lot of them, I'm just going to say this, I don't know because I haven't read through this yet, but um, I have also learned that sometimes some people get certain ways because of trial and error of life and traumas they've been through and um, different times of coping mechanisms, if you will, that also lead you to feel certain ways with justifiable means of background um, experience. So that being said, I just want that known um, that just because I'm going to read something and if you can relate to it doesn't mean that's what you are or what you have. Like I said, if you feel any of this very strongly, by all means, feel free to talk to a, a doctor. And there's no shame in that. Um, I have talked before about how I've started taking care of myself. Um, and I have said before in my other podcasts, I look at myself as a surviving suicidal victim. And I say that because I have been suicidal um, many times in my life. And here, um, not too long ago, probably about a year ago, um, not even a year ago yet, actually, it was very intense. And um, it was, I was on the edge. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I was on the edge. Um, but some things happened in my life by blessings of the Lord above, um, that I have been able to redirect myself in a manner that um, has been very therapeutic for me and very uh, life-changing. And, and I say life-changing because for the first time in my life, in the 49 plus two years, <laughs> Um, I don't want to die. I don't want to harm myself. I don't want to self-inflict on myself. I have actually, even though I still struggle, my moments right now are healthier. But I also am aware from past experiences of my life that we, that I am one trigger one moment of not being able to cope away from going a different direction however I have been really um, fortunate enough very blessed that I have been able to positively um, reinforce my positive side of my personalities if that makes any sense 
um, I have come to an understanding with myself that I have a lot left to do in this world. I am a good person. I have a very big heart, which is my strength and my biggest demise. <laughs> but I try to look at it as my strength. I have let go of myself to hold on to other people. I have worried about other people and cared about their well-being before my own. And I am trying to get to the point to remind myself that I matter. And now I actually take the time to actually look at my own reflection without even having to look in a mirror. Because I have to see myself, flaws and all. But at the same time, I have to remember that my flaws don't need to be looked at as negative as what they sound or what they feel. Instead, I need to learn from them and take my flaws, my imperfections, my traumas, and all of that that is piled so high up on me and find a way to rejuvenate it, to, to grow from it. And at the same time, remind myself that it's okay if I make a mistake, if I don't catch myself, because I'm human. I'm a human being, and I make mistakes. I'm not perfect by any means. If anybody says they're perfect, they're lying. There is no such thing as perfect. That is a myth. Even items made on the assembly line of a machine are not perfect. There's some kind of flaw somewhere. You might not be able to see it. They could be one right after another. But it really depends on what your vision of perfect is. So, just my opinion. Anyway, we're going to get back to this paper. So, it says, personality forms early in life. It is shaped through a, a blend of your genes. Not your blue genes. <laughs> Um, your genetics. Your parents may paste down, pass down some personality traits to you. Sometimes these traits are called your temperament. Now, um, I think this is just pretty much, um, I don't want to say a no-brainer, but um, I'm just, well, I don't want to say for granted everybody understands what this means, but yet, then again, so obviously, um, the genetics of your parents, um, obviously have an effector, a, fa a factor excuse me, on your genetics uh, because obviously your chromosomes, your alleles, all of that has to match up with your parental uh, genetics. So some things are hereditary, some things are mutations, some things are just um, a part of who you are. Um, and some people obviously, um, it's more severe for some people than it is for others. And it's not just the genetics, but it also could be a variety of other things. And it goes on to say, like the environment. This includes your surroundings, events that have happened to you and around you, your relationships and patterns of interactions with family members and others. So basically, you know, whatever you have been through in life, your traumas, your tragedies, your neighborhoods, your upbringing, um, 
you know, financial situation, your schools, um, interactions with your family on how your family is, how your friends are. You know, like for instance, I've talked about several times with my family, uh, when my grandson passed away, um, and even actually when my dad passed away, um, family members have not been there for me, um, outside of just a couple. And, um, I don't know what it's like to have family support, if you will. And I come from a big family, but I can count my family on one hand. And, um, that says a lot <laughs> compared to how big my family is. Like, I'll give you an example. My uncle, a few years ago, passed away. And there was a line outside the funeral home and down the sidewalk of their people to pay their respects. And most of it was all family. That's how big my family is, or my relatives. I mean, there's family and there's relatives. That's how big my relatives are. My family was my little circle that was with me. And I can count those on, on one hand. Um, and unfortunately now, when my dad gone, um, it's less than that now. So, anyway, a personality disorder is a mental health condition where people have a lifelong pattern of seeing themselves and reacting to others in ways that cause problems. People with personality disorders often have a hard time understanding emotions and tolerating distress. They may act impulsively. Sometimes people react before they think. Um, some people might have the, uh, the fight or flight, you know, going on. This makes it harder for them to relate to others, causing serious issues and affecting their family life, social activities, work and school performances, and overall quality of life. Um, that's very understandable because I know like with me, obviously, um, it is a big factor. Um. I don't, well, obviously, you know, now I take care of my mother and stuff, so my life obviously has changed um, in a dramatic way that way, too. Um, but, like, with work and socializing and stuff, I'm a social bug. Um, however, I get social anxiety real bad. I don't like crowds. Um, but yet, I'm a social butterfly, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, there's that. <laughs> Some symptoms. Um, it says, in some cases, you may not know that you have a personality disorder. That's because how you think and behave seems natural to you. You may also think um, others are responsible for your challenges. Um, you know, obviously, if you've had a traumatized situation or a tragic and overwhelming upbringing, like I said, these, these things obviously can be flexible. Nothing is concrete. Um, even concrete breaks up. So, <coughs> um, and it's all poured differently too. So, obviously, things are different uh, depending on your situation, your circumstances, and a lot of other factors. There are many types of personality disorders, each with important differences. These disorders are organized in three groups or clusters with shared features and symptoms. So, <coughs> it starts off with group A personality disorders. 
Um, it says, in group A, personality disorders have a consistency dysfunctional pattern of thinking and behavior that reflects suspicion or lack of interest in others. They include, the first one is paranoid personality disorder. And it goes on to list um, factors in this particular category. Paranoid personality disorders lacks trust and is suspicious of others and the reasons for their actions. Believes that others are trying to do harm with no reason to feel this way. Doubts the loyalty of others. Is not willing to trust others. <clears throat> Hesitates to confide in others for fear that others will use this information against them. Takes innocent remarks or situations that are not threatening as personal insults or attacks. Becomes angry or hostile to what are believed to be slights or insults. Has a habit of holding grudges and often feels or often suspects that a spouse or sexual partner is unfaithful with no reason to feel this way. Now, I'm going to say sometimes people have a reason to feel this way. So, <clears throat> that's all I'm going to say there. Um, this next one is, I hope I'm going to say this right. <laughs> it sounds kind of funny. Well, it, says fun, it sounds funny in my head. I guess if I say it out loud, maybe you could decide it's funny to you. It's schizoid <laughs> personality disorder. It goes on the list, um, these particular traits. Appears to be cold to or not interested in others. Almost always chooses to be alone. Is limited in how emotions are expressed. Cannot take pleasure in most activities. Cannot pick up typical social cues. Has little to no interest in having sex with another person. <clears throat> That's a schizoid personality disorder. <clears throat> a typical personality disorder. Shitso typical. I'm sorry. Shitso typical. <laughs> I amused myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's S C H I Z O T Y P A L. So it looks like shitzio typical to me. So anyway, it goes on the list of traits as this having unusual thinking, beliefs, speech, or behavior. Feels or thinks strange things, such as hearing a voice whisper their name. Has flat emotions or emotional responses that are socially unusual. Has social anxiety, including not being comfortable making close connections with others or not having close relationships. Responds to others in ways that are not proper or show suspicion or lack of interest. Has magical thinking, and it's got quotations around it, the belief that their thoughts can affect other people and events, <clears throat> and believes that some casual incidents or events have hidden messages. Now again, it depends on how you view things and how you think, because some people are very enlightened, some people are very spiritual, some people have passed history of certain things, um, different rituals of their um, 
upbringing and their um, heritage, if you will. So it really just depends, I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now it goes into second category, Group B personality disorders. That was Group A. Group B. Group B personality disorders have a consistently dysfunctional pattern of dramatic over-emotional thinking or unpredictive behavior. They include borderline personality disorder. That's the first one. It has traits such as has a strong fear of being alone or abandoned. Has ongoing feelings of emptiness. <clears throat> Sees self as being unstable or weak. Has deep relationships that are not stable. Has up and down moods, often due to stress when interacting with others. Threatens self-harm or behaves in ways that can lead to suicide is often very angry. Shows impulsive and risky behavior such as having unsafe sex, gambling, or binge eating. Has stress-related paranoia that comes and goes. Now I'm going to say this. I have huge PTSD on abandonment. I have been abandoned in my life um, in ways that I'm not going to go into because obviously we have other things to talk about. Um, and I have been suicidal. I've talked to that several times. Um, I have felt very um, empty inside, very hollow. Um, and um, But that doesn't mean I'm borderline personality disorder. I don't know. I guess, I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, everybody has something. But, again, it can come from a variety of things. So, I mean, obviously, if you have been abandoned as a child or, uh, say, a loved one, um, you know, a significant other or something um, has abandoned you um, or has made you feel um, less of a person, if you will, um, it kind of does something to somebody, you know? It kind of does. <laughs> so, um, the second one is histronic personality disorder. Histronic personality disorder lists these traits. Always seeks attention. Is overly emotional or dramatic or stirs up sexual feelings to get attention. Speaks dramatically with strong opinions but has few facts or details to back them up. Is easily led by others. Has shallow emotions that change quickly is very concerned with physical appearance and thinks relationships with others are closer than they are. Again, it just really depends on the situation. And see, that that's what gets me because they have all these categories of different things that they list on, I guess, criteria, if you will. Um, but it really, to my opinion, it really just kind of varies on your mental stability of what you have gone through in your life, what you have endured, what you've overcome, and um, what has overcome you, you know. And they always say life is what you make it, and I, I don't believe that. I believe life is how you make yourself uh, – life is how you deal with what life has made you. If, uh, how, 
if that makes sense. Maybe I'm not saying it right because in my head I knew what I meant. <laughs> life isn't what you make it. Life is how um, it makes you. Like how you, what you have overcome in your life that makes you who you are. That's life to me, if that makes sense. Um, anyway, sometimes I'm not good with my words. I apologize. So the next one is narcissistic personality disorder. That's a classic word, too. Well, actually, that's probably an antique word because um, I'm classic. But anyway, <laughs> um, narcissistic personality disorder lists their traits as the following. Has beliefs about being special or more important than others. Has fantasies about power, success, and being attractive to others. Does not understand the needs and feelings of others. Stretches the truth about achievements or talents. Expects constant praise and wants to be admired. Feels superior to others and brags about it. Expects favors and advantages without a good reason. Often takes advantage of others. Is jealous of others or believes that others are jealous of them. Now again, I probably have a couple of these traits, but it's because... For instance, like with my my education, I've talked about this before. I was always made fun of my education. Um, my ex-husband was very notorious for it. I was going to college, and I, I've got three degrees, and I busted my butt to get those degrees. I was raising a family, working full-time, and going to college. And um, my ex-husband sat on his butt, didn't work, and did nothing but get my house out all the way down to the floor where you can see the dirt. Um, but we won't go into that. That's a different session. Well, actually, I talked about it in my other podcast. But anyway, he would always make fun of me. Um, well, look at you, Miss Smarty Pants, Miss A+. Plus, um, you know, Miss A+, plus in algebra, Miss A+, plus in everything. Um, you know, but I tried to learn my... Um, I needed to, I get, let me rephrase this. I had to teach myself and notice what my learning ability, what worked for me. And I'm a multi-thinker, which is sometimes not great. <laughs> um, but I can think multiple things and do multiple things at the same time. And it over, it's overwhelming. And I'm a huge overthinker. But... Um, I study best when I've got music blaring in my ears and I'm learning vocabulary words or I'm writing a paper or something. And my youngest daughter is the same way. She would have to listen to her music while she studies. Um, so, and I'm a hands-on person. I learn more as I'm doing it. Um, I, and I'm a visual. I have to be able to see it. I was a, a scientist, and I did. I had my own lab, and you know stuff. I've talked about this before. I used to clean crime scenes, and um, but I had a lab, and um, microscope, and you know all that stuff. But anyway, I was very big on numbers and formulas, and my daughter used to call me a walking calculator. When I was in fourth and fifth grade, um, they had what we called the three, four, and five minute club. Yeah, three-minute club, four-minute club, and five-minute club. And what it was was 100 multiplication, double digits. So it's 100 problems, double-digit multiplication. And I did them in three minutes and got them all right. 
because you had a perfect, you had a perfect score. I got it in the five minute, then I went to the four minute, then I got it in three minutes. So I can do a hundred double digit multiplications in three minutes when I was in the fourth grade. I knew my fractions before I even started kindergarten because my older sister, she was in school and she was learning fractions. So she played teacher to me. And I remember I was probably about four years old, maybe, um, before I even started kindergarten. And I know it had to be for that because my parents got divorced when I was like six or seven. So I know it had to be for that because I remember sitting there in my dad's kitchen um, at the time. And they had a chalkboard and my sister was teaching me fractions. And um, so I knew my fractions before I was even in kindergarten. And I, people were like, oh, this, that. And so I w did a formula called a C1, V1, C2, V2. And people was like, what? And, it, and I learned this in college. And it was just, it's a formula. And, I mean, obviously there's way formulas out there that I'm just like, what? <laughs> um, but I've always been good at numbers. Like, I had this one person ask me, you know, do you want to give me your driver's license number or your social security number? I said, I'll give you my driver's license number. And I just rambled it off to him. And my dad looked at me and goes, who, who knows their driver's license number? And I said, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, but if I can visualize it most of the time, um, then it helps me retain. And I did this book report one time, and I did it on the memory. And it said in there that the smarter you are, the more likely you are to get old-timers. Old-timers. I call it old-timers, um, which kind of scares me. Because I tell my teacher, my brain is full. You know, I don't have much room left in there. Um, but also, too, it also said to retain memory, to retain things that you learn, study it, and then go to sleep. And your your brain has time to process and compute it. And it helps you to retain things and remember things better. That's what I learned in my book report. So, anyway, it just really depends. So I have a hang up on this because I was always put down growing up. I was always made fun of, um, always talked down to. And so I have a very big complex. And I was talking to somebody today, and I was telling me, yeah, I got three degrees with 4.0 and three honors. And they're like, you're really proud of that, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Because I busted my butt to get that. I am very proud of, of it. And when I was uh, applied for this job one time years ago, um, they actually told me that I needed to dumb my resume down. I needed to dumb it down. I should not have to dumb myself down. Maybe they should appreciate what they're getting. I shouldn't have to go in and represent somebody that I'm not when they should be happy and seek the benefits of somebody that they're getting that maybe, maybe didn't need to dumb down. They needed to amp up. So, yeah, it's left a big complex on me. It really has. And I've been working on that. <clears throat> um, so the next one is antisocial personality disorder. It lists the traits as follows. Has little, if any, concern for the needs or feelings of others. Often lies, steals, or uses false names and cons others. Has repeated run-ons with the law. Often violates the rights of others. Is aggressive and often violent. Has little, if any, concern for personal safety or other people's safety. Behaves impulsively. Is often reckless, 
has little if any regret for how their behavior negatively affects others. Um, I know a couple people like this. <laughs> um, I didn't realize it'd be antisocial personality, though. But, um, so yeah, anyway, <laughs> I don't have that. Because um, I'm a very, yeah, I don't think I have anything on, on, um, on this list that it stands out to me. I have behaved impossibly before, but who hasn't? <laughs> um, but anyway, so it goes on group C personality disorder. So group C personality disorders has a consistency dysfunctional pattern of anxious thinking or behavior. This might be my category. <laughs> they include avoidant personality disorder. It is very sensitive to criticism or rejection does not feel good enough, important, or attractive, does not take part in work activities that include contact with others, is isolated, does not try new activities, and does not like meeting new people, is extremely shy in social settings and in dealing with others, <clears throat> fears, disapproval, embarrassment, or being made fun of. Now again, I have some on this list, but it goes from my past settings, my upbringing, my environment, uh, my peers, my own self-esteem, being abused in my life. Um, you know, I've always had, a, um, especially when I have been suicidal and stuff, I wasn't good enough. Maybe people would be better off without me. Um, I have a very low self-esteem. Um, I've called myself an ogre. I've yelled at myself, cussed at myself in the mirror, told myself I was ugly, nobody would want me. Um, picked out all my flaws and amplified them. Um, and I have been working on this. Um, and it is a, it's a big thing. When your self-esteem is so low, um, it does something to a person. I mean, it, it does. And um, that doesn't mean that, it, that this is necessarily your particular um, area. But again... It's also a way of, of life and coping and things that you've been through. And it's helped it's helped and hurt the type of person that you are. But being able to recognize it and being able to redirect yourself with it are are very important qualities, but very hard things to accomplish when the mental anguish and damage is so severe that it's hard to to think anything else when you have been told things and you've been made to believe things and you have felt things m most of your all your life if not all the time it starts to become your identity on how you look at yourself it's just like you you got somebody to tell you the sky is blue now we all look at the sky yeah the sky is blue but to a colorblind person, it may not be blue. But sometimes the sky's not blue. Sometimes it's a beautiful array of colors. Sometimes it's black. Sometimes it's red and blue and green and yellow. And sometimes there's a rainbow in the sky. Sometimes it's white from all the clouds. It, it's a variety of colors. But if you're told it's blue, and that's all you're told and taught, then that's the only way you're going to look at that sky. 
because you wouldn't know anything different. And maybe that's not a very good example, but it is to me. That's the only way I can think to describe it. You know, when you're taught something a certain length of time, over and over and over repetitively, it conditions you to believe that that's what it is. And, um, you know, like, for instance, if you're not taught what the difference of short and tall is, or um, little and big, or up and down, or hot and cold, if you're not taught these, you're not going to know. But if somebody teaches you and say they teach you the opposite, and you go and do this your whole life, this is what you're going to know. Doesn't mean that's what the rest of the world is going to see it as, but this is how you see it because this is the way you were taught. Now, was the person that taught you this wrong, or is the rest of the world wrong? I guess it depends on how you look at it. But if not, if everybody isn't on the same page, per se, in the world, then a lot of things are misunderstood. And some things are taken differently because what one person's perception of something is not necessarily the other person's. So then it causes conflict, causes misunderstanding, causes wrong interpretation, causes many factors. So um, <clears throat> next one goes on, dependent personality disorder. Relies on others too much and feels the need to be taken care of. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, is submissive or clingy towards others. Fears having to take care of self if left alone. Lacks confidence and abilities. Needs a lot of advice and comforting from others to make even small decisions. Finds it hard to start or do projects due to lack of self-confidence. Finds it hard to disagree with others, fearing they will not approve. Endures poor treatment or abuse, even when other opinions, or I'm sorry, even when, let me read that over. Endures poor treatment or abuse even when other options are available and has an urgent need to start a new relationship when a closed one ends. So I used to say this actually about my older sister um, because she couldn't be alone. She always had to be in a relationship with somebody like, you know, um, but um, anyway, some people go through things in their life um, where, you know, they have been abused, um, or, um, they have been so codependent, because, okay, and I'm going to say this, let me, re let me regroup this, so I got, I, I've been out on my own since I was 17, and I had taken care of myself pretty much all of my life, I've raised three kids pretty much by myself, um, and I've held down two jobs for two and a half years to save up to buy a house that I owned um, <clears throat> to give my kids stability because we moved a lot when I was younger. I have no problem knowing that I can take care of myself. I used to always say, I'll make somebody a really good husband someday. And it's not because, you know, I'm, I mean, I like males. I mean, and there's nothing against people that are, you know, to each their own. But I say that jokingly. But it's because I'm a tomboy, and I, I mean, I've worked on cars with my dad. I've done construction work. Um, you know, I have remodeled my house that I owned before this last house I had, before that. I bought this house, and my dad looked at me and goes, 
you bought this. I mean, you know, he couldn't even believe I bought it. And I said, you see it for the way it is. I see it the way it can be. And when I get done with it, he looked at me and said, this, I can't even believe this is the same place. And um, it's just because that's all I've, I've, I've had to learn how to survive in my life. I didn't have anybody to come rescue me. Now, when I was married to my first um, ex-husband, I was an at-home mom. He worked, and I stayed home to care of the kids. He and I had two kids together. I was 17 when I got married, four days after my 17th birthday. Um, and we di we divorced maybe five or six years later. He was very abusive to me. Um, and uh, we became uh, better friends after the divorce and obviously years of growing and um, learning um, life differently. And um, anyway... I, when I was married to him, I had never worked. <clears throat> I um, was very codependent on him. I had no money of my own. Um, we lived and rented his his mom and dad's house. I had no car. I had held my beginners three times, which I didn't know this then, but I know it now, and I wish I knew it then. Um, I thought he was going to have to sign to me for me because he was over 18 and I wasn't. I was 17. But I did not know that once you get married, you're emancipated, and I was considered an adult. I didn't know that. So he wouldn't sign for me. So I held my beginners three times. And when I turned 18, my younger sister and I loaded the kids up in strollers, and we walked very, very far to the Lysa branch. Um, I lived on the south side of Indianapolis, and we walked downtown Indianapolis to the Lysa branch. And um, I came back, and I told him I had got my beginners. And he said, well, how did you do that? I need to sign from you, for you. And I said, no, you don't. I'm 18 now. And I had my mom take me to get my driver's license and my driving test. And um, <clears throat> But anyway, when we got divorced, uh, I try, well, let me back up. I tried to get a job one time when we were married. And um, <clears throat> I got a job at Kroger making donuts. <laughs> um which anybody knows me knows that's a a wonderful <laughs> a wonderful thing. <laughs> uh, donuts, I love donuts. Um, anyway, um, he wouldn't let me go back to work. I worked there maybe a couple days, and he told me that if I went back to work, that he was leaving me and taking the kids and divorcing me. And um, needless to say, I quit my job. I didn't go back. Now, like I said. Things have obviously changed with me. This was back when I was, you know, younger. And um, he was very um, controlling, if you will, obviously. Um, but it got to the point where um, he started getting abusive to me. And um, we went to counseling for about a month. And it was probably the best month of our whole marriage. Um, even on my wedding day when we were at the reception, um, he was a butthead. And um, showed his behind very big at the reception. And um, so anyway, when we got divorced, I had no car, no job, no money. Got evicted out of his parents' house. Once my divorce came final, they upped my, my rent $150, evicted me, and sued me for three months. And put me and their grandkids out on the street. Um, I had no phone. And I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old on my hip. <laughs> and um, 
I have learned, learned, I've learned to take care of myself. And I have fought my demons along the way. And I know that sometimes there are things that happen that have triggered me back to those moments of being abused. And I say that because I know I know that because it has. Um, and I've talked about in one of my other podcasts before. I've been had triggers before that um, I had this one gentleman that I was with. And um, I had a lot going on. And he was trying to calm me down. And I had this thing with him where when he had something going on, I would go over and I would gently put my hands on the sides of his face. And I would give him a kiss. And I would tell him I loved him. And so one day I was having a moment, and he tried to do that to me. And I freaked out. I ran to the bathroom, hovered in the corner, and started crying and shut and locked the door. And I immediately went into protective mode. He had no clue what was going on with me. And I didn't even realize what I had done and what had happened. And I calm myself. I don't even remember the rest of it, actually. I calm myself down or something. Somehow I come back out of that bathroom. Um, and obviously I apologized to him. But I don't even remember the rest of it. I, I don't even remember it. It's like I just kind of blanked it out. Um, but I know that th this is a factor. But when you are codependent on somebody, when they take away your independence, um, even people that are incarcerated, if you will, and maybe this is a different thing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elaborate on this. And if you've been incarcerated and this is not right, I apologize, but I'm just using this as an example. When you're incarcerated, and I've never been incarcerated, so I'm just going. I have worked um, in mental health hospitals. I call them mental jails. Uh, mental health jails because they have the phone box on the wall. You're allowed to come out of your room, but you have to ask. You they have a day room. You know they have to be lined up to go get eaten, and you know they have to ask you know to do things or whatever, and, and um, they have to be given their medicine and and stuff. And but <clears throat> when you become codependent, or let me rephrase that: when you become and when you are put in an environment that you have to ask permission to even go take a shower or to um, do anything, when you are told what to do and you cannot make decisions on your own and you are constantly um, being controlled by other people of your care, your well-being, your mental health, your physical health, um, your spiritual health, um, interacting with your family, um, everything is controlled. So when you get out of being incarcerated, it's either overwhelming to you because you don't know how you have to adapt, um, and huge PTSD sets in, I'm sure, um, being watching your back. You know, you're at the store, you try to make decisions on your own, or somebody coming approach, approaching you from behind, big trigger for you maybe. Um, but you've been so codependent that you don't know how to be otherwise, and you have to teach yourself again and teach yourself that it's okay to think for yourself, which I think is the way the world has a problem with this anyway because so many people are dictating us. Um, I always say life is a myth dictated by others that don't live, live your life, you know. Um, 
But anyway, this might be um, something, unfortunately, you've had to be d dependent so much that you have not been able to be independent, um, if that makes sense. And again, if, if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I'm just trying to give a scenario of a mental thing, and this is just the way I, I, have, I have known many people that have been incarcerated, um, and this is just the way I view it. So again, if, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but this is just my example. Um, the other one is obsession compulsive personality disorder. Focuses too much on details, orderliness, and rules. Thinks everything needs to be perfect and gets upset when perfection is not achieved. Cannot finish a project because reaching perfection is not possible. Needs to be in control of people, tasks, and, and situations. Cannot assign tasks to others. Cannot delegate. Ignores friends and enjoyable activities because too much focus on work or a project. Cannot throw away broken or worthless items. Is rigid and stubborn. Is not flexible about mor morality, ethics, and values. Holds very tight control over budgeting and spending money. I have almost all of those, which I've talked about. I got OCD. There's more to OCD than just cleaning. <laughs> um, I am huge. <laughs> and, and it is, and it's actually, um, it's a crutch. It really is a crutch because it, it, it consumes you and you can't even help it. Um, I've talked about before when I had my office and stuff, I can not even leave work without stepping and standing at the door, looking in my office and looking at the clay plate room, and my stapler could not even be out of place. And I would go over and, and fix it. Or had a picture sitting on my television one time, and somebody went over to look at the picture and picked it up and looked at it. Without even thinking, I walked over there and set it back, and they're like, oh my gosh, I never knew you were that bad. I color coordinate my clothes. My movies were alphabetized. My books were by copyright, but and also in categories. Um, that's just the way I am. And now that I take care of my mother, who has to have things her way, because she's blind and it's her home, it messes me up because I'm sleeping on a bed in the living room and my stuff that I have, I've been trying to start my life over since being homeless, is scattered everywhere. I've got stuff in my camper, stuff in her camper, stuff in the garage, stuff in storage, stuff in a spare room, stuff laying around underneath my beds, stuff everywhere. i got piles and piles of folded clothes. I don't have nowhere to put them. And it's overwhelming. It's a huge, overwhelming feeling to me. And it makes me feel like my life is upside down. And I've had to adjust to the point where you give up. And that is overwhelming. When my ex-husband gutted my house out, and why he did, I don't know. <laughs> I'd come home, and he was like, oh, I'm going to fix this and do this and this. You know, um, he wanted to put a tray ceiling in the living room. So he gutted out my ceiling, lowered it, because um, I had tall ceilings, but never finished it. Just had drywall. And my dad had to come over and spackle it and, and stuff and um, gutted out my walls, took out this old house. So it had plaster and lath boards, um, ripped out my chimney, <laughs> um, tore my floor up, the floor joists out, 
all the way down to the ground, re-put the floor joist in. Why he even gutted that room, I have no idea because there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it was it was bad. It was very overwhelming, hugely overwhelming. Um, the only room that he didn't touch was my daughter's room, my youngest daughter's room. Um, and, well, in our bedroom at the time. Well, no, that's not true. He did. He cut a, ho a hole in the floor. Um, we had a hole in the floor. <laughs> Uh, that went um, into a crawl space between the bedroom and the living room below where he had dropped the ceiling. He never closed it up. Um, but anyway, he did this. And my, my daughter's whole lot, younger life, my youngest daughter, it was all under construction. And um, it was very overwhelming to me till finally I just gave up. And when an OCD person gives up, it's a whole different mental level. At least it was for me. And, um, you know, you come into my mom's house, and it's clean. Um, but it's not as clean as what I used to make things. Like, I don't, I don't use a mop to mop the floor. I get on my hands and knees and mop the floor. Because to me, a mop is dirty. It's, it's dirty. I would get the cleaner, and I would get it in my hands, and I would clean the floor. Now, with me taking care of my mom... I've been taking care of my mom for two years now by myself with no outside support from anybody. I go nowhere, I do nothing, and I talk to hardly nobody. And um, I'm tired. <clears throat> I love my mom, and I'm not trying to make it sound like she's a burden because she's not. <clears throat> but I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed to the point where I have had to prioritize uh, what matters and what doesn't. So I don't sweep and mop the floor as much, but I guarantee my countertops in that kitchen are clean every night before I go to bed, 99% of the time. I used to be the type of person where I'd stay up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and wash the dishes. <clears throat> Never had a dirty dish in my sink when I went to bed. Now I look at that sink going, you will be there tomorrow. And if not, I will stuff you in that dishwasher so I don't have to look at you because it's just I'll deal with it later. I might have something else to do. I might want to go sit on my bed and cover up with my blanket and um, listen to music or relax or whatever. We don't have a TV. Uh, I don't watch TV. I watch TV since my kids were little. Um, and my mom's blind, so obviously, you know, we don't have a TV. Um, so I don't get consumed of being a couch potato, um, as, as they call it. <laughs> But um, I do find sometimes I get caught up in watching those video reels sometimes on Facebook. Um, some of them are very entertaining, and some of them are just very weird. Um, but anyway, um, so it is a thing, and it's not. And I'm very, I'm very big on money, very frugal. Um, I can be stubborn. I ain't gonna lie there. I hold on to things. Um, my son used to say I'm a sentimental hoarder. Um, but since I've been homeless and I've lost everything in my life, I look at things differently, um, obviously. Um, a lot of times when I was working all the time <clears throat> and going to college, um, I might not contact my friends and stuff as much. Um, I have a very um, <clears throat> a very close friend of mine, um, my beastie. Um, we don't talk all the time. We don't hang out all the time. Um <clears throat> But I don't ignore her. She just knows I have a lot going on, and I know she has a lot going on. But when we talk, it's like we never left each other. Um, I don't delegate things. Um, I'm very bad at not delegating things because 
Um, <clears throat> I've been so used to doing things on my own for so long. I, I don't, I just, you know, I just do it myself. Um, and then that way, too, I know that it's being done. Um, uh, I always try to make sure that everything is as close to being right as possible. I'm very big on that. Um, some of that's my insecurities, and some of that is just who I freaking am. Um, so if people think that OCD is just cleaning, you are sadly mistaken. Um, from my experience. <clears throat> anyway, it goes on to say, impulsive, uh, obsession, uh, let me start over. <laughs> Obsessive, compulsive, compulsive, <laughs> I get these words out. <laughs> Obsessive, compulsive personality disorder is not the same as obsessive compulsive disorder, which is an anxiety disorder. So I have both. Um, but they can be confused as the other. I think because it's uh, OCD, OCPD. Um, many people with one type of personality disorder often have symptoms of at least one other type. The number of symptoms of a person may vary. I've talked before, I got OCD, PTSD, bipolar, um, OMG, WTF. <laughs> I always throw those in there. Um, but anyway, and I'm sure I got many other things. Uh, this is when to see a doctor. Um, if you have any symptoms of a personality disorder, see a doctor or a mental health profession. Um, there's no shame in that. Trust me, there's no shame in it. When personality disorders are not treated, they can cause serious in, in issues in relationships and moods. Also, the ability to function and pursue personal goals may get worse without treatment. So, it is very important, your health, mental health. And I've talked before that I've started seeing a physician and I talked to her about uh, my mental um, situation. And the last three appointments I had with her, they were two weeks apart from each other. We were talking about my mental health. And she's, you know, I'm like, well, I got other things I want to get checked. She says, I will do a wellness check on you. Right now, we need to get your mental health stabilized. And um, so, you know, she's prescribed me my, my medication. I'm on Lamictal Prozac and the cholesterol medicine. Um, and I am starting physical therapy on Monday. And I have actually been seeing a therapist for my mental stability. Actually, I have my first um, appointment today. Um, and it was very nice appointment. I was afraid I was going to be triggered. Um, but it wasn't. It was a very pleasant conversation. Um, laughed. I don't, I don't think he knew how to take me. Um, but... It was very refreshing um, because, for one, it wasn't a big trigger. And I'm not saying that my other appointments won't trigger me because I'm sure they will. But, like, I also told him, um, I'm not trying to trigger him in his life either. We both have to be um, in it together. Because what I would say to him, I don't know what's going on in his life, obviously. So, and, and that's not something he is going to elaborate with me because that's not his business. Now, if you want to talk to me, I have no problem. I'll be his therapist, and I'm not even going to charge him by the hour. But, because um, sometimes some people just need somebody to talk to. And um, people's w uh, mental health is very vital um, because it actually should take president, pres precedentness. It should be more important. Let me just use that word. 
uh, it should be more important than somebody's physical. And I say that because when your mental health starts doing stuff, it starts attacking parts of your physical well-being. And it goes and starts with your weakest parts first. And depression is very big on that. I have learned, and this is what I was taught. Um, but also, too, your mental stability um, can cost you your life. And you're not even going to have a physical stability. Your physical wellness isn't even going to matter. And um, that's been a very big thing for me. So anyway, um, I don't know obviously what would trigger him, and um, but working together and talking through things, um, you know, is very important regardless of who you are. But um, at the same time, there is no shame, and there should not be any shame, reaching out and getting help. Because if you don't. And you don't know how to process your feelings. And you don't know what to do with them. It's going to consume you. It's going to eat you alive. And it's going to literally take your last breath from you. If it is not intervened in a positive manner. And, um, and I've said this many times. If you are suicidal. If you are feeling anything like that at all. Please reach out to somebody. And I know this is easier said than done. Because when you are in that mental state of mind, you don't think rationally. Because you're in a different mental state of mind. So what might seem rational to one person is not where you're at. So what you might do logically, per se, in a positive frame of mind, as opposed to what you do when you're having a moment, are two totally different people. Two totally different scenarios, two totally different mindsets, and sometimes two different outcomes. So reaching out to somebody and getting help and acknowledging that and putting yourself above yourself is very vital. And there's no shame in that. Don't let go of you and then wonder why you didn't hold on to yourself, if that makes any sense. Because, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I speak this from experience. I have let go of myself most of my life to hold on to other people. So while I was falling, I was trying to hold on to other people. And I was lifting them up and pushing me down. And to the point where I wasn't going to be able to get out if I didn't intervene some way. I had to be stronger than myself as I say be, be stronger than the brats and um, I had to teach myself that I had to teach myself that I mattered enough to take that step and acknowledge it because if I didn't I wouldn't be here you would not be listening to my voice right now and my family would be in a totally different level of grief. Because life ate me alive. And they do have anonymous lines that you can read. 988, I've talked about that many times. The suicidal um, crisis line. They are trained professionals. 
You can be anonymous if you need to talk to them. They will get your resources. There is no shame in that at all. You can keep it confidential. I have not... I'm going to say this as I'm talking on my podcast. Because <laughs> I can't see who... I can't see who hears this. Um, I have not... Um, made it known to my family, close family members, that I'm even going to counseling, that I'm even seeing a doctor, um, that I'm even on medication. Um, I haven't shared that. And it's not because I'm keeping it from them. It's because I'm trying to take care of myself. I don't need to broadcast it, although I'm saying this on my podcast, so it's kind of contradicting, but I don't need... I don't need to go and post it on the bulletin board, um, you know, per se. And because um, this is an eternal thing. This is a me thing. And I look at it as me healing my right frame of mind, my mental stability, my physical well-being, um, my spiritual well-being, um, even the way I talk to myself and the way I'm trying to teach myself to talk to others, but also trying to teach myself to be quiet and listen to others because I have had a problem of over-talking because I got so much to say, I just talk. And a lot of times where I'm isolated and I don't see nobody to talk to nobody, a stranger at the store is going to get a big, long conversation out of me. <laughs> um, but I've been trying to teach myself to calm down. And... Um, I'm hoping that that will be evident and noticeable when it needs to be to the people that it needs to be noticed to, if that makes sense. Um, so anyway, I'm going to finish reading. It goes on causes. It's believed that personality disorders are caused by a blend of how genetics and your environment affect you. Your genes may make it more likely that you develop a personality disorder and what happens to you in your life may set a personality disorder into motion. Now, when I um, went to the doctor years ago, I had went to outpatient therapy um, for about a month. And um, that's when I was diagnosed with OCD, um, mentally fragile, and um, borderline bipolar. Now, with a tragedy in my life that I've endured, um, I, obviously I didn't like that particular therapy because it was a big group. They run around the room. You had maybe tops, three to five minutes to talk. You had to keep repeating yourself, and I needed something more one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but I did learn a lot from there. I learned coping mechanisms. Um, you know, they did journals. I don't. I didn't do a journal. Um, I write poetry, and all my feelings are in my poems. Um, but um, I took a lot out of that. Well, with the trauma and everything, obviously, in my life that I've endured since then um, and the passing of my dad and all this, um, I have developed more issues. I've got major PTSD in, in a variety of fields. Um, but now my bipolar is kicked in. So it's not borderline anymore. It's here. <laughs> um, and my OCD is in overdrive. So um, it's been a lot. And like I've said before, you know, I could talk out loud and people think I'm weird. I talk to myself in my head and I'm, or I talk out loud and people think I'm crazy. I talk in my head and I make myself crazy. And sometimes I feel like I'm going to implode. 
And when I get like that, I have to talk myself down. I have to redirect myself. I have to find coping mechanisms because sometimes it gets so overwhelming that I will start hyperventilating. I will feel like I'm going to throw up. Um, it's very consuming. It's not a good thing. I will rock. I will um, make you know gestures and stuff. I have self-harmed. I like I said before, I was a picker. I've got scars on my arms where I would subconsciously pick. I used to have to wear ace bandages around my arms to try to get myself to stop, and I wouldn't even notice I've done it. Um, but it's 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 a lot, and um, it's it's a big thing in life. And when people don't understand uh, mental health, it makes it even harder um, because they can't – mental health is nothing to be ashamed of. And they treat mental health like it's a bad word. Being bipolar, being OCD, having PTSD – it's not a bad word. It's a fact of life. It's who I am on top of other things. And it's not a bad word. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Embrace your identification. Self-identifying yourself as a human being and what life has made you. But don't let it kill you. Not on purpose. Um, and I say that with respect. Um, risk factors. All the specific causes of personality disorders are not known. Some factors seem to increase the risk of having one. Such as. Specific personality traits. This includes always trying to stay away from harm or the opposite. A strong need to seek out new activities that get your adrenaline pumping. Also includes pork impulse control. I am not an adrenaline junkie. And I'm saying that respect. I don't do heights. I don't do roller coasters no more. I don't go out on the edge of... My <laughs> my youngest daughter has the biggest adrenaline um, I have ever saw in anybody. She rode this ride at the fair. It takes you up way up in the sky. And it turns you, flips you upside down, round and round and round. and rotates you a million miles an hour, it looks like. And this girl, I tell you, probably rolled that thing at least 20, 25 times in a row. And that's no lie. She'd get off, she'd get back on, she'd get off, she'd get back on. Over and over and over and over again. My ex-husband tried to ride it with her and he had to get off. He's like, I'm going to throw up. And she still kept going. And um, she wanted a parasail, uh, hang glide. You know, she's wanted to do all this stuff. She's, me, I'm going, no, no. I'm that person that says, here, I'll hold everything. You go on. <laughs> Um, um, now one time she did get on this one ride at King's Island. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was 
<laughs> I'll put it this way. She got on that, and I want to say it was drop zone or something like that. The in, the the hill going down was like straight down. And uh, my, she was a kid. She was probably maybe 10 or 11 at the time. Um, <clears throat> her and my ex-husband wrote it. I obviously was like, no. <laughs> uh, so I held everything. And when she got on it right, I thought to myself, is this the last time I'm going to see my daughter? What did I just do? I just put her on this ride. What was I thinking? And I was like freaking out. So she goes on this ride, and my little girl gets out there bawling her eyes off. And she comes running to me, holds me so tightly. And she's like, I was so scared. And I'm like, I felt so bad. She was crying so hard. And when, you know, they take your picture or whatever. And I looked at her picture, and she's just like in tears. And my ex-husband was holding on, like, you have that, like, oh, shit look, you know. And, um, well, anyway, years later, after I was in divorce, whatever, we went to King's Island again. And she went with a friend. And, uh, she rode that ride again. And she liked it. She liked it. Um, she faced her fear and she did it again and she liked it. I'm looking at her going, I know. I'll hold your stuff. <laughs> um, but anyway, it goes on to say early life experiences. This includes a home environment that is not stable, predictable, or supportive. It also includes a history of trauma, physical neglect or abuse, emotional neglect or abuse, or even sexual abuse. This is me with an explanation point. Um, very, very much. Um, complications. Personality disorder, disorders can seriously disrupt your life and the lives of those who care about you. They may cause issues in relationships, work, or school. They can lead to social isolation or other mental health issues with addictions as well as occupational and legal issues. So sometimes, um, you get in trouble with the law, you self-medicate, uh, you can't keep a relationship, you got a lot of insecurities. Um, the list goes on and on. Um, I always say that in any relationship you have with somebody, there's always going to be ups and downs and trials and tribulations and growing factors and whatnot. There's always going to be something in your relationship. It's deciding on who you want to go through those somethings with that makes the difference. You want people to accept you for who you are. It has to go both ways. However, learning who you are, knowing the difference of who you are, and communicating that with somebody and having them be able to understand and respect that are all key factors on your relationship and then some. But it goes for both ways. And you have to be, you have to, and I'm saying this, um, you have to accept people for what you expect them to accept you as, even if you're not that way. I'm going to elaborate. Because, let's say hypothetically, something traumatizing happens to you. Very traumatizing. And you shut down. 
and you don't know how to cope. You have a lot of trigger factors. You have a lot going on. And say you've been married to somebody or with somebody. We'll just throw a number up. 15 plus years. <clears throat> and something happens. And it does something to you as a person, as a wife, as a husband, as a mother, father, grandparent, whatever the case may be. <clears throat> as a human being. And if you don't understand what to do with yourself and your mental state of mind or your physical state of mind or whatever is going on with you, it's very hard for somebody else to do it too. However, that doesn't mean you can't work together to work through it. And if you don't have a good support system or you're not a good support team, it makes it even more difficult and traumatizing and very, um, it could kill your relationship. And, um, you know, I used to always say, you know, people get married and stuff, obviously, and, you know, yet for better or worse and all that stuff. And <coughs> I used to tell this gentleman that I was with, you know, you have to work on your relationship in a, a marriage form before you're married. And it's like learning how to be married before you're married because it's growing. You can't just automatically get a piece of paper and say, oh, we're married now, let's play husband and wife. You have to learn and grow and build your relationship in a form. And the paper is just the formality. It's just a legal formality. It's a piece of paper. It does not define your relationship as a couple, as a team, as human beings together that have con come together and consummated your relationship. The piece of paper is a legal form that the government says, ta-da, now you're going to be taxed more. Now you're going to have to do this more. Now this is going to cost you. Now, you know, this is a legal government thing. It's a dictation by the government of a legal piece of paper. However, in my opinion, <coughs> a legal document does not define your relationship with a person. Of, of mentally being married to a person. You could be with a person 50 years and not be legally married, and it does not make you any less married to that person than a piece of paper would make it, in my opinion. And some people, the formality part of that is what freaks them out because then they feel trapped. They feel no out. And it's not that they want it out, but it's a formality. And you hear so many horror stories about divorces and this, that, and the other and stuff. And it's, it's maybe they're from a divorced family. So marriage to them um, is hard to believe in because they are not from that level of background and, and upbringing and um, understanding, if you will. But that doesn't mean that they're going to love a person less because they don't have a piece of paper. You know, just my opinion. But obviously, don't make a mockery out of a marriage either. Don't sit here and get married just to be married. It doesn't work that way. 
not in my opinion. Um, don't get married just because you want to have a ceremony. Yeah, if you want to have a ceremony, you don't have to be legally married. <coughs> you can have a relationship ceremony. <laughs> you know, to where you have a com you could have a commitment ceremony without having the legal document. <coughs> it's not making a mockery out of a marriage. It's making a commitment to your relationship without the legal formality. It's a it's a bond between two people that are making a commitment without the government interfering legally, I guess you could say. But it's between you, your significant other, and God. The government just likes to throw themselves in the mix. Just my opinion. Obviously, everybody has views, and, um, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just different opinion. You have your views and you're entitled to them just as I am. Doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong. Doesn't mean you're right and I'm wrong. It means that we are just different on that particular view. If you don't agree with me and I don't agree with you, there's no right or wrong. It's what you believe in that matters. It's, it's a matter of what you are willing to be committed to that makes the difference. Because at the end of it all, it's whoever you would entrust with your life that would be willing to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself. Whether that's mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever the case may be, you have to be strong on all those ethics together those morals together. You might not have the same religious belief, but that doesn't mean you can't be respect, respectful to your other's beliefs and, and thoughts and way of thinking. It doesn't mean you're right and they're wrong, but you can be respectful uh, on their views, their feelings, their emotion, and their perspective because that is who you fell in love with. And that's what makes them them. That doesn't mean you can't grow together and learn together and be together. Just be respectful. And be understanding. And grow together. And when you grow, it's... You have to have different um, things in life that help you to grow. You can grow either negatively or you can grow positively. And maybe sometimes you're going to go in both directions. Maybe the wind changes and it goes both directions. And maybe some years you don't bloom as well as you do another. Or day or whatever the case may be. That doesn't mean you can't find a way to continue to grow in a different direction. Because life bends you. It bends you hard. So that's where you try to learn how to grow with the bend. Around the, around whatever it is you need to, through whatever it is you need to, and whatever is the way you cope with it, as long as it's in a positive direction. It's when it takes a bad direction 
that you stop growing. And when you're not nurtured and you don't get enough uh, nutrients in your life to feed your life in a positive way, then you find no reason to grow anymore. And nobody wants that. Nobody deserves that. So that is my take on personality disorders from the Mayo Clinic. Again, obviously, I am not a professional doctor or anything of that nature. Um, seek help if you need it. There is no shame in that at all. It is not a bad word. Um, and if you don't, it could be a bad outcome for yourself and those that you love. And um, you deserve you deserve a healthy mind as well as a healthy body and a healthy soul. And um, I pray for each and every one of you that are going through something, even if you don't even realize that you are, because sometimes some things um, happen and it affects you and you might not even realize that it's affected you until down the road or until something triggers that moment again. You might have thought you worked through it, but then something comes along and triggers you again, and you go in fight-or-flight mode, or whatever the case may be. So, it's very important to know yourself, learn yourself, redirect yourself, but don't be ashamed of yourself. Because there is no... You, you matter more than that. You matter more than that. And um, again, 988 is a suicide prevention line, but there's also health professional lines. Know them in your area. If you are able to, have a go-to. Um, even if you have a code word, say you can't really talk about what your mental state of mind or whatever, um, you know, maybe you have a friend or a loved one that you trust and you have a code word that you understand with each other and all you have to do is just either type text or save that code word and they already know that you're in a place and there needs to be an intervention of something to help you work through your moment. Even that would be something that you could consider to help you. And, um, you know, this, this um, couple days ago I was went out to dinner for my birthday. I was by myself and I went to Texas Roadhouse and um, the waitress there, um, we hit it off really well. She was telling me, uh, I was dressed up, she said I look really beautiful. And I was like, thank you, today's my birthday, I'm trying to get out, which is a very hard day for me. Like I said, it was also the anniversary of my son, grandson's death. Um, but I did my birthday this year and it was a very interesting night. <laughs> very interesting night. Um, but Anyway, her and I got to talking, and she sat down. We are having a conversation, and she was telling me that a month ago, she lost her daughter. Her daughter had OD'd, and her and I got into a very lengthy conversation, and I was giving her um, some examples on coping mechanisms to help her, and... Um, I was telling her um, how I have dealt with myself and 
this, that, and the other. And we exchanged phone numbers, and I gave her my Facebook page name, and <clears throat> I told her about my podcast um, and stuff, and obviously told her to you know, listen to them. Some of them might help her. And obviously maybe um, when I get to the point of having guests on my podcast, maybe her and I can get together and she can talk about it and um, educate people, but also something that she can, somewhere where she can put her feelings as well. Um, and it was a huge reality check for me because everything that I have been through, I have been able to utilize that here lately, um, not only positive direction for myself, but also those that I have come in contact with. And I believe that everything happens for a reason. And maybe I have just gotten to the point where I believe that my reason of everything I've been through and everything that I have done and endured and um, grown with and even still trying to grow with has helped me evolve into a person that has been able to be there, educate, support, um, talk to, listen to, whatever the case may be, for someone else. And I say that doing these podcasts, they help me a lot. Um, but also, too, I'm trying to reach out to others that may be going through things that they may think that nobody understands or can relate to. And no, I can't relate to what you're going through. I don't know what you're going through. I don't understand your feelings and emotions because they're your own. However, I've changed my wording on it. Now I say I understand that emotion. Because why I don't understand and cannot relate to exactly what you've been through, because I'm not you. I can, under, I can understand the emotion behind that pain that you feel. And even if I help one person, if even it's just myself, then that's what it's about. And I actually started me a YouTube channel. Um, I just set it up today, just figured out how to do it. I have not gotten any videos on there yet because I did talk about I wanted to start doing live um, videos. Um, they're probably going to be pre-recorded actually because I do have to pause sometimes to take care of my mother. So if I do something live, it might be a little difficult to do um, because obviously if I need to take her, take care of her, do something for her, I wouldn't be able to pause it and you all just be like sitting here staring at a wall <laughs> or the room or whatever. Um, so I probably just be recording them and then posting them, but I do have a link on there that directs you to my podcast. Um, so all of my audio podcasts that I'm doing on Podbean or whatever you're listening to, cause I do this on Podbean. Um, it is the, um, link is, uh, noted in my YouTube channel. So, um, and of course my YouTube channel is at D D E E. Let me clear my throat. Um, so if you go in the search engine and you put at and then D and then let me clear my throat and it's no spaces, um, it'll bring me up. Um, so, and I did change my picture on my Podbean, um, updated it. And so that is also the picture that reflects on my YouTube. 
So um, when I do get videos on there, obviously I will let you know because that is something I want to do here in the very, very new, near future. And I do have a couple of people um, that have already um, – I've already spoke to on wanting to do um, shows with me um, and obviously having a sit down with them and uh, interviewing them and talking to them um, probably a few episodes with a few of them because there's a lot to talk about in this world and a lot of things that people can relate to and it's not just my story and you know or stories everybody deserves to be heard and everybody has a story everybody has something somewhere and um, that is what this is all about, is let me clear my throat, but I have no problem handing the mic over to somebody. And um, if you have any ideals or anything you want to talk about or you want me to talk about, please feel free to let me know. Um, I have no problem doing that at all. Um, and again, I don't know who listens to this. I just look at my computer screen with a little squiggly line. So obviously, I am not biased on or prejudiced however you want to word it on who I'm saying this to because each and every one of you is a computer screen with squiggly lines and I respect each one of you because you are who you are and you are here listening to me and that means a lot to me and I say this all the time. There's one thing in your life that means the most that is precious and priceless, and that is your time. Time in your life you will never get back. And I am so blessed and thankful for you dedicating your time to listen to me and give it to me. And I respect you, and I appreciate you, and I love you for that. And... um I do hope that everybody that does hear me takes something positive out of whatever it is that you intercept from me. Because by no means am I trying to be any less than positive, honest, candid, and realistic to you. But also more so to myself. I am very candid and uh, very open. Um... I'm an open book with complicated chapters, and sometimes my sentences are misspelled and misinterpreted, but I am a open book. Um, some pages might even get stuck together. I'm not perfect by any means, but that doesn't mean that I don't have a story. But at the same time, it doesn't mean you don't either. And if you feel the need to start your own podcast up or whatever works for you to talk and get it out there and reach somebody, do it. Because you might find that's exactly what you may need as well. And I have no problem listening to you clear your throat or whatever it is you want to do. Um, because we are all in this together, even if we don't know each other. Because that is what makes the world. And that is what makes us, us. And we've got so much negative in this world that it's about time that we put some positive back in it. Even if it has to be classic. Doesn't mean that it's not still priceless. So, I hope that makes sense. Because I'm a big metaphor philosophy person, if you haven't noticed already. But anyway, feel free to check out my other podcast. Oh, well, I forget what number I'm at. I'm like in my 20-something. Um... 
I lost count of them. And um, I do hope everybody has a great evening. I say evening because it's 20 till 12 midnight here uh, right now. But um, my mother's sleeping, so I take a I take time out usually when she's asleep um, the best I can. So that way um, I utilize my time. But I'm also a late person too, so. Anyway, um, in some places it's the next day, so it's actually morning where you're at. Um, but anyway, I thank everybody for taking your time out listening to me ramble on, <laughs> uh, because sometimes I do that. But um, anyway, um, I'm going to close this out now, and I do hope everybody has a blessed night and day. Um, and if you are going through something, no matter how big or small you may think it is, Please don't think that it don't matter. Please don't ever think that you need to let go of you. Because if you can't hold on to you, well, just don't let go. You might slip occasionally, but don't let go. You're worth more than that. The world is a better place because you're in it there's a reason why you're here we all have a purpose so don't let go this is Dee and you have been listening to my podcast let me clear my throat have a safe and blessed one okay good night